Welcome to Production Expert Podcast number 453. It's January the 18th, 2021. I'm Julian Rogers. I'm Audrey Martinovich. And I'm James Ivey. We've still got some active deals on our deals page, so uh, head over to the deals page on the site, see what's on offer. There's too many to list, so uh, go and have a look. Uh, So, straight to talking points, these are sponsored by Arturia. Arturia has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit Arturia.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. You do that so well. So, oh, uh, talking points, <laughs> talking point this week, I wanted to talk about a video that uh, went up on YouTube, uh, which is, I'll read out the title to make sure that uh, uh, Galaxy 64, Sylvia Massey and her microphone collection, recording session featuring Taylor Hawkins. Uh, this is uh, this is a big one. It's a half hour video, and it's uh, I mean it basically it's it's a product video of the Antelope Galaxy sixty four, which is a, a, a very high channel count uh, audio interface. But it's a ludicrous it's a ludicrous channel yeah, count. Yeah, yeah. Is what I mean, you, you, you you could say it's it's several normal interfaces just kind of like squashed together into one box because that's pretty much what it does, but in one box. And it's a clever thing and great. But the thing that I wanted to to talk talk about this for is because of the approach they've taken you've got you've got a box with 64 inputs correct mm-hmm. you have 64 analog inputs yes and 64 analog outputs yes perfect okay and um i was guessing for 64 meant something like that but the point is what are you going to use all those for in a typical kind of band tracking situation all at the same time and uh people being what they're like they just go well let's just use all of them all at once and see what we can do so using a load of microphones and uh, and a good drummer uh what I think, a, done, I think a shed load or a boat load or maybe even a, a i don't know a, a a container load is probably about right. An awful lot of silver phones. But also it's some really Shipping weird container. stuff. That's what I like about it. And yeah, she's just, I mean, <laughs> ostensibly what she's done is she's, she's mic'd up the kit twice, but actually she hasn't. She's mic'd up the kit twice, at least twice, and then put up, I don't know, maybe 30 room mics because mm-hmm. you, you can't get that many mics around the kit. And yeah, there's some really interesting stuff in there. It's a great showcase for the product, but it's also just really nice to see some options being explored and this is stuff that we've all done but we've never done quite like this so um yeah uh, i've watched it james you're familiar with this video i am familiar with the video i'm familiar with the product because i've got one next to me Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> of course i would show you that but i can't because it's a podcast not a video thing um i have watched it um as soon as it hit the electronic shelves i was already aware of it uh because of uh, my work with antelope audio and it's awesome. Uh, Sylvia and I share a passion for microphones. She has she Sylvia Massey has more microphones than I do. There you go. You heard it here <laughs> second. Um, but no, it, it's it's awesome. She's got really gone for for some obscure stuff in there. She's got some amazing microphones. Um, I think her her own personal collection now rivals that of places like Blackbird and abbey road you know for actual variation not necessarily for quantity but for variation in microphones she's got some amazing stuff the one that i really liked was there's 
what I'm going to call an interference tube microphone. That's exactly which, uh, what it is, yeah. Uh, which many people would refer to as a shotgun microphone. But this looks like what I can only describe as a, a wind chime mm-hmm. on its side. I saw that, yeah. It's a WA interference tube. And what it is, is it's... Uh, I was familiar with these because of a very clever book I've got on microphones and how they work. And it's the it's... It's how they were first conceived of, and the shotgun mics that we're familiar with now work on a, a very similar principle, but instead of having individual tubes at different lengths to capture different frequencies, which is what that's doing, what they do instead is they have lots of little vents in the side. Very importantly, they've got little slots. You've all seen them down uh, down uh, uh, shotgun mics, but mm-hmm. they've also got a little flap on the inside, and that's the important bit because it, it changes what happens with uh, the, the the path for off-axis sounds and what happens. And the, the length down to which it displays that like kind of like hyper-directional behaviour is, is proportional to the length of the tube. But, of course, it's only one tube in a modern mic, whereas in those ones it was lots of separate tubes because they hadn't figured out how to do that little slot with a flap thing. But, yeah, really interesting mics. I've, I've made a couple mm-hmm. of notes on because there were some really interesting ones in there. Have you watched this yet? I, I don't think you've made it the whole way through, have you? Because I'll he- give you a heads up. <laughs> I haven't made it the whole way through, um, but it is super cool. And th- a lot of those microphones um, came from the Bob Paquette Museum that was in Milwaukee. And unfortunately, uh, Bob died, I believe, a year and a half, two years ago, maybe now. And when he died, Sylvia bought his museum and started shipping these microphones from Milwaukee, which is about an hour and a half east of me, um, to her studio in Oregon. So it was really cool to like see some of these that I got to see at the museum being used in this oh, like, so you've been to the drum museum. session. Yeah, yeah. We, we Not for, I mean, obviously a long, long, long time ago, but we did like a studio field trip out there. Um, and there was, uh, we had one of those RCA uh, broadcast microphones that she showed um, that we actually got from Bob a long time ago and um, have sold it now. But it was, yeah, it was really cool to see like new life brought into these, a lot of these really old kind of broadcast type microphones. Like you see the little, uh, you know, emblems on it still that say CB. And NBC and BBC and all this stuff. It was really cool. Fantastic. I mean, it's it's true that there's there's while we revere the classic designs, who exactly is it who decides what they are? And I mean, there's some that kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, the U47 was always going to be in, you know, there's some stuff that can't be ignored because it was like it was the best that was available and was thought of in those terms at the time. But there's a load of stuff once you go down that kind of as you go down in in desirability, some stuff has stuck around and other stuff's been forgotten about and not necessarily for totally straightforward reasons. I've got a friend uh, in, uh, in the Midlands in the UK who's, um, who's got a really interesting microphone collection and uh, he's, been, he's been buying up a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of stuff. I mean, really very interesting c- collection, but not that much of it's, you know, the kind of top drawer stuff. Just because mm-hmm. he's he's I mean he's kind of investing in them he's he's a studio owner he's a busy guy he I mean he he uses them but he's also got an eye on the future and thinking if I'm going to buy something I'm not going to buy stuff that's already desirable right. I'm going to buy stuff that might be a bit of a slow burner and yeah some really interesting stuff that's great but we just don't hear about so mm-hmm. I'm thinking for example things like um, uh, Bang and Olufsen ribbons you ever seen one of those. Mm-hmm. I used to see it, and it just looks like a bright, chromey Royer. 
but actually it's, it's much, much older than Aurora and been around much longer. Um, he's, he's got a U57. Ever heard of a U57? And, yes. Yeah. Because that's the... Um, I can't remember which way around it is because a 47 has got uh, cardioid and omni and a 57 is cardioid Oh, no, no, no. That's a, no, that's a 48. There's a right, 47 okay. and a 48. Right. I knew there was one that was that way around. No, the U57, um, I'm pretty sure... Uh, it wasn't a Neumann. It was a. It was a. It was a Gefell. Ah, okay. And this is what. But yeah, it's it's in with because those two companies have got kind of pretty uh, intertwined there, histories. Yes, there's a there's a oh. very there's a very um, tangled web there, isn't there? <laughs> it was it was about the Cold War, and I think the old Neumann factory, the pre-war Neumann factory, was in what became East Berlin. I'm saying that with a slight. Upspeak because I'm not 100% sure that that's the right way around, but I think that's and then basically half of the company kind of got um, uh, got separated by the Berlin Wall and went on to develop ind- independently until you know uh, post 1990 and uh, yeah and this is why I think ultimately this is why the, um, like the Chinese for example have, have got a, a long history in in, in manufacturing uh, condenser microphone capsules is because it was all Neumann technology that had gone out from East Germany through the whole of that kind of political but yeah I, I, I may I may have the details wrong on this but certainly it's an interesting history wow that went a long way away from this video quickly didn't it? <laughs> what, what, say what was interesting for me on this and there's there's always a certain amount of you know um, selfish flag waving goes on whenever I watch any of these sort of videos. I go, I would do it like that. I've got, I'm using that. I've got those. You know, there is that whole kind of ah, she's doing it the same as I would, or rather, so, should so what that was be- it? What was it you saw uh, um, done? You know, done the same as you'd have or would do? It was it was the kick drum techniques mm. that I thought was particularly good, and you know, the, the whole idea of where to put your sub kick and all that sort of stuff. And then there was some particular mic she was using. For example, I, I again, waves flag for antelope. Uh, I'm also using a pair of antelope uh, edge duo microphones as my overheads these days, purely because, mm. hey, I can. And and there is, a you know, I, I like the idea of being able to swap my overhead sound out for something. Um, the, the, the microphone that I hate more than life itself, that I know you've got a pair of, Jules, is... Um, the 4038 and I know everyone raves about them for overheads but I've just mm. never been out to, to force myself to buy a pair so it's quite nice I wouldn't nice in to, your room to be honest no. Well, there's there's new there's potential news on that as well but yeah, yeah. Um, but but absolutely I mean I'd 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 probably be avoiding uh, avoiding ribbons or anything anything fixed figure eight in a in a low ceiling room so yeah mm-hmm. definitely but um you know but but even even when I have, you know, been working in bigger spaces and everyone pulls a pair of 4038s out. I'm like, oh God, they just sound like dishwater to me, to my ears. I know there are people who love about them. and I know, you know, a million great records have been made using them, but it doesn't work for me. So if if I'm with a client who says, oh, can I just whack a pair of 4038s up? I said, no, I can do better than that. Change, flick, go, yeah, yeah, now yeah. try it. Um Little things like that I really liked. Mm-hmm. Sylvia, Sylvia's collection is immense. I mean, to an awesome level. And to have put that much, that many microphones up on one kit in or one kit in one room. And what a room, by the way. Mm-hmm. Not that, That's not just your average drum space. That's a pretty epic drum space. Um, a couple of years ago, I was, I was very fortunate to have the tour. 
of um, well, in fact, I've had, I've had it twice now from East West, and it's amazing. Um, East West Studio Two is just the greatest drum recording room you'll ever hear. It sounds amazing. So she's she's very ribbon heavy, and if you're collecting historical mics, it's that's not surprising because ribbons have been around a long time. I mean. Uh, uh, as as I understand it, actually, the dynamic mics are the kind of youngest of the common uh, ways of doing microphones because uh, condensers are actually, actually predate dynamics. Well, and there was even one that she had that was a combination ribbon and dynamic. I mean, Audrey, you, you, um, ribbon mics and you, I'm thinking about stuff that I'm aware that you use. Do you use ribbons at your place? Uh, yes, yeah, a lot. Um, I have uh, an AEA, I think it is an R88. And um, yeah, I use that all the time on piano, on strings. Um, as a drum room mic, I'll put that um, just kind of in front of the kit, kind of lower than my overheads. Nice, yeah. Um, yeah, and that just, uh, it just picks up these toms really well. The cymbals aren't too harsh. I can blend it in really nicely. I, I, I do like ribbons yeah. on drums. And, you, and you've got some quality preamps to, to to, to drive them too, which is uh, the yes. next thing that comes. <laughs> yes, exactly. The number of people exactly. who buy passive ribbons and then go, oh, damn, I've got to spend some money on a preamp now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and then that's, I guess, kind of another reason why I do like ribbons is because of their, like, SPL handling, you know, like, for, for drums, I mean, something that can get so loud, put through a good pre, I mean... I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I've ever had, like, a ribbon in a room and decided not to use it on a drum set. But maybe that day will come. Who knows? Loud, bright things, ribbons, is the conventional wisdom. I agree with yeah. it completely. I've, I've had terrible results trying to use them on, on stringed instruments, particularly for my 4038s. I mean, just... So like a cello, something like really full and low, um, maybe as a highlight mic on a violin to blend in with something a little brighter. But yeah, I, I, on the smaller, like I tried it on a ukulele once just to see and it sounded like I had the ukulele in the next room over. So not good for that. <laughs> my, my, favorite, my favorite affordable ribbon mic is by a company called Shiny Box. And if you haven't tried them, you should. Um, this th- They're about sort of 300, 350 quid. And it's the best one of the best acoustic guitar mic you know for under a thousand quid it's the best acoustic guitar mic i've ever heard it's it's still my first choice for tenor sax um Mm. it's an amazing microphone shiny box check them out um i think i think they are american because i remember having to i only bought one which was all it's always a stupid thing to do when buying microphones only buying one um I bought one. I think it had to come in as an import, and I, I remember getting clobbered tax for it. Um, <laughs> but well worth it. Well worth it. You know, getting one of those absolutely amazing mics. The other technique that I really liked of Sylvia's was the idea. She doesn't call it this. She called it something. No, she called it a gooch mic. A I was going to say the gooch. I refer to it as a crotch mic. I have to admit, and, <laughs> um, or you know, or just generally the the. It, the, the four-letter word microphone, because I always have something like a 57 <laughs> or a 58 pointing directly down at the kick drum or but or between the kick drum and the snare drum position, and then I'll smash the living out of it. I'll compress it to you-know-what. I'll put distortion on it. I'll really mess it up, and then just bring a little bit of that in. Sometimes a little bit of that, the overheads and a kick and snare are all you need for a really, really nice open sounding drum sound. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, I, I liked I liked the fact she was calling it a gooch mic. <laughs> or it's the perfect way to to mic up the squeak of your bass drum pedal. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, there was there was some really interesting stuff in there. I mean, it was uh, those I I'm the idea of combining two different transducers in the same housing kind of came back with was it Audio Technica did a dual a element kick drum mic, kick yes. drum mic that was yes. condenser yeah. and dynamic, but the, Combining a ribbon with a dynamic is that's something that I haven't heard right, about apart yeah. from historical stuff like this. There was a, I'm trying to think what it was called, uh, it was STC 4033, I believe, and not a mic that I was really familiar with, but that was a combined uh, dynamic and ribbon, which, yeah, I mean, I can, I suppose I can see why that happened. Maybe the fact that people don't do it anymore means there are better ways of doing the same thing. Um, What I thought was really interesting, and I have heard of these, there's a a Swedish company called MyLab who make um, rectangular diaphragm condenser mics. And uh, I think uh, it was Audio Technica did like a four, a really expensive... They uh, did the 4000 series, which is the 40... Oh, maybe it's the 50 series. Basically, there are three. There's a... There's a... There are two versions of a large rectangular. Yeah, but it's diaphragm. four. It's so it's multiple diaphragms and they're and they're uh, rectangular. There's this company called Erlund, a uh, Swedish company who make triangular. Oh, uh, they're beautiful. You know them? I've I've uh, not I've not heard them. I, um, I absolutely no. recognise why they might try that because a circle is an odd shape. If you are using, um, Tune Tracks Superior Drummer Three, and you're using um as recorded by um, George Massenburg. George Massenburg, thank you for mm. for making me not sound silly then. Um, all <laughs> a, a lot of the height information was recorded on Airland mics. Oh, okay. Um, and I learnt that when I went to Galaxy Studios in Belgium where they recorded it. There's a very, very cool sounding microphone that I must call out here, uh, East German mic, and I know nothing about it. I looked it up, uh, don't know, but it was called a funk berator. Mm. And I just want that because it's called a funk berator. <laughs> <laughs> there are some really, there are some really cool, interesting stuff out there, like mic- microphone wise. I and mean, there's a company, and again, I can't remember the name, but I, I put them in an article a little while ago about um, microphone companies you probably haven't heard of, but you should check out. Um, and there's there's one company that's taking old Bakelite telephones and putting microphones in them, mm. so you can basically have the sound of of your audio through a telephone handset. Mm-hmm. It, it's funky it's, I, think, I think it sounds That's really fine. cool because the thing with old with old, um, with old really old telephone mics they were carbon microphones weren't they the very yeah oh yeah, yeah. no the really early hands I mean I think right into the, like the 70s and stuff yeah. actually were probably still carbon carbon mics because they, they they tolerated moisture very well apparently was one of the main reasons for using them I, I, I always assumed it was because oh. they sounded appalling but, uh, <laughs> have you got anything? Have you got anything kind of uh, less than new, Mike Wise, at, at your place, Audrey? Um, let's think here. Yeah, I mean, and your monitors are quite old, but uh, but uh, we've, I yeah, talking. I mean, we, we we've got a, a a lot of Neumann mics. So I mean, like a lot of our stuff is probably like circa. 70 to 80s I would say is where kind of most of our our microphones live um and then yeah our B&W 808 monitors that you mentioned are from uh the 70s as well 
Um, but yeah, I, I, what, what really piqued my interest about uh, Sylvia's setup, though, was all of the DIY microphones or like the um, the the spy watch that she had. Oh, that's, uh, that's Taylor yes. wear. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that really intrigued me in the um, the I guess like the kind of equivalent of, of my setup of uh, weird stuff is we have a an NS10 sub mic, uh, well the you know the woofer cone that we have mounted in a uh, basketball hoop, um, and so and wired up to a DI box that we you know can then take the output of. But um, yeah, yeah. So that that's probably kind of the only like. DIY sort of thing that I would have but I, I was curious because I know James especially like with how into gear you are are you building any weird stuff I um it's funny actually we talk about um uh, the the NS10 the reverse speaker idea I actually mm-hmm. tried to or have built I won't say with any level of success because quite frankly it, at the moment my issue is space not technology mm. um I didn't put it in a basketball hoop. I put, um, it was not an NS10 speaker. It's a generic 10 inch speaker, uh, into a 12 inch Tom shell to follow along the lines from the Yamaha subkick idea. Sure. Um, and that, and that way you get the, uh, the ported sound, but you get the bass coming down, down Mm -hmm. the Tom, down the, the the shell of the drum into the speaker, and that's working really well on on the the times I've used it. Um, it's a really interesting sound. I mean, I've done crazy stuff where I've got sort of three bass drum shells and mm-hmm. extended the bass drum length with oh. them, covered them in blankets and stuff to give me an enormously deep bass drum sound. There are pros and cons for this. Um, one of them being. The, but the amount kick of it. out mic is in the garden in your place. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was, if I was doing it in in my studio right now, it would be in somebody else's garden, <laughs> technically. <laughs> so, um, but no, I mean, I've, I've I've recently got into building DIY hardware from kits and stuff, um, and a lot of that came off the back of the, my trip to Germany a couple of years ago. So I've started building my own. Uh, I built an LA-2A from a kit, which has been quite good mm. fun. Um, and I've built a couple of... And again, this is this is something I saw someone else do and I thought, what a great idea. Um, I've bought up a couple of old rack-mountable test equipment, like some test equipment. What, what, I've, what I've done is I've bought some old electrical test equipment with really cool knobs and dials and stuff. And around the back, put... XLRs and the normal stuff on and bought some kits from various places. So I've got a couple of sort of 19 inch that look like they're from, you know, from pre-war or mid-war era kind of hardware. They look really funky and the dials all light up and they they do stuff. And But it's actually just generic 1176 kits (laughs) inside this really funky hardware. That's, that's cool. That is that yeah. is cool. It's um yeah, just everything sounds better if you have to turn a massive Bakelite knob to Yeah, and, and it's, <laughs> it's just, it was just fun. It was one of those I, I, I saw a friend do it and I went, "Would you mind awfully if I did that as well?" And he went, "No, you know, I, I can't." He said he couldn't take claim for it, but I thought what a great idea to make your studio unique. How to how to make yourself unique, build some of your own gear. And I was like, even mm-hmm. if it's, you know, a generic 
compressor or a generic mic pre that you've bought a kit of or a 500 series kit or whatever. That's cool. I like that sort of thing. So um, I've been experimenting a little bit and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to learn a bit more about electronics and trying to learn about what does what, where and how, etc. But also trying to make a living at the same time. So, <laughs> And in, in the meantime, you can just make a load of steampunky looking stuff covered in brass and mahogany. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's, look, it's good fun. Excellent. Uh, well, I think I, I think we probably ought to move on to um, the, uh, our finds of the week. Uh, although I don't feel like we've really even scratched the surface with this one just because there's so much to it. But I'll oh, put a link to the... Before we move on, though, I want to give a shout out to my buddy Rob, who was assisting Sylvia that day. And I saw him in the background of the video. So hi, Rob. You're awesome. <laughs> All right. Now we can move on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, we, we should we should probably talk about finds of the week. Although, like I say, there are many other things that we could talk about, including Audrey's friend rob so yeah if you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like skype you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be and even on a good day it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview we now use source connect now which offers isdn equivalent quality audio using a chrome browser with no software to install to get your free account follow the link in the podcast notes so it's been a while since i've done this so i might be a bit rusty so (coughs) it's time for Find of the Week! <coughs> Sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. Keep the reverb on through the cough, too. <laughs> RSPE Audio is up and running, remotely. Their team's set up and working from the safety of their homes, and their sales staff are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio and ensure you can continue to work from home, if there's anything they can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Plus, of course, the link's in the podcast notes. So, James, tell us about your find of the week. It's been a while since I've done this, so I'm having two. So there. Um, <laughs> first one is the amazing Ertmezin. And this time last year, I first saw one of these babies in the flesh, and I now have one next to me in the studio, the amazing Antelope Audio Galaxy. It is every interface with every professional standard of I.O. you could ever need. I kid you not, it is an epic interface. And from a point of view of, purely from a point of view of um, hardware real estate, to get the same level of I.O. in 192s, for example, which is which is an often, um, it's nearly as, you know, I need so many U's of 192s to get X number of I.O., I think you'd need something like about 25U of rack space <laughs> in conventional units to get what you can get from the Galaxy. It's amazing. Um, there are even some, even some scary videos with a guy showing how to how to set you up, how to set up your Galaxy, and then how to use it with Dante and how to use it with Maddie. Some crazy guy by the name of James is doing those. <laughs> so uh, anyway... That's my real find of the week and probably even my find of the year. But actually, for anyone who is out there and is struggling with homeschooling and home learning right now, you have to check out a video. And we'll put the link in the show notes. And it's literally called, uh, I am just going to make sure I'm getting the name right. I can't teach this. You have to check it out. And anyone who is going through the home learning, the homeschooling thing, will be in it as many fits of giggles as I was watching this. I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking, 
Were you going to have that anyway before I'd said, let's have a look at this video of Sylvie Massey using one of these things? I was going to have that anyway, yes. Well, that's just, it's almost like we plan these things. Because, because I, I can say I've got it. we don't. <laughs> I've, got, I've got it and it's it's amazing. I've had it for a couple, I have one, I had it just before Christmas um, and Galaxy is amazing. It genuinely is, yeah, it's it's incredible. All right. So now are we going to get a video of you setting up 60 mics on a drum kit? Uh, no, because I'm actually not <laughs> using it quite like that. Uh, no. Uh, no, he's I, doing I am, 60 mics on a single snare drum. I am yeah. using I'm using 32 analog I.O. Um, to and from the console and various bits and pieces. But what I'm then using the other 64 for is virtual patching mm. oh, I see. Between, yeah, yeah. between hardware. Because you've got cool. the I.O. so that you can do round trip and, and you've got yeah. the, still be able to do your tracking. Yeah, that's, yes. That's so you, smart. And obviously, because it's it's just generic nodes in the system, I can run from a line in directly to uh, DBX160A and then back, or I can run from Pro Tools into the DBX160 and back. Mm. So hard, hardware inserting on Pro Tools or hardware mm-hmm. inserting in real time. It's cool. It's you've, very, you, very cool. Really you cool. said um, quite a long time ago when you uh, first had to go on this antelope stuff that you thought the software was great. And I mean, that's the thing that probably interests me more than the specs of the hardware, just because I've found in the past that some there's some really good hardware out there that's been let down by its software. And it's just so important when you've got something mm-hmm. that's... Uh, when you've got so much I.O. as well. I mean, there are... Think I worked it out as something like getting on for a thousand points, where you can in- interrupt the signal on this thing. Wow. So you've got MADI IO, you've got AES, you've got analog IO, you've got Dante, you've got. Uh, uh, there's no ADAT from what from if I remember, it's in the rack, so I can't really check. Um, and it hasn't got mic pre's. But then again, you've probably got mic pre's if you've got that. You're, you're probably running a console. If it had 64 mic pre's mm-hmm. in it, it would not fit into a... a <laughs> that is, that is probably true. But, you know, I mean, it, it, is, it has got so much. And, but the, the software is so, so clever. I mean, there is a little bit of a learning curve, but, you know, there's a learning curve with anything. Mm-hmm. So, but once you get your head around it, and you, I mean, I'm the first one to admit, I looked at this thing the first time and went, oh my God, that... The first time I used one of the Antelope drag and drop um, IO routing matrix thingies, I went, I don't get this. But as soon as the penny dropped, it all made sense. And I went, this is awesome. Uh, Audrey, what's your find of the week? Uh, My find is a petition that has been circling social media. And um, this petition is for Gearsluts.com to change their name and to... uh, switch to something that might be a little bit more inclusive. So there have been a bunch of different kind of arguments about this and kind of the the ones that I would say are most valid are kind of taking all the politics out of it and just thinking of it from an education standpoint is um, I've seen this website blocked on servers at schools because of the name. So, I mean, just for that alone, we'll, you know, consider something else. Check out this petition see if it you know if you're interested go ahead and sign it um yeah it's just been making the rounds and uh, i feel like it's something that has to be brought up 
Has anyone suggested alternative names? Uh, yes, absolutely. There yeah. was Gear Nuts, which was uh, suggested uh, suggested mm-hmm. by That's a mutual I friend. Um, I, I thought of one. I haven't said this on online. <laughs> I thought when I thought, hmm, okay, what about beer guts? Because that's probably a good description. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought of one too. It's not podcast friendly. Though, so we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask you off air. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Julian, what is your find of the week? I- I've had mine. I- I've had this one before, but um, I want to revisit it because this time I actually understand it. It's Reverberate 3 uh, from Liquid Sonics, which uh, I had a look at a while ago and uh, was really impressed by. I went, wow, there's a lot in there. And mostly what I was talking about then was like the value proposition of just kind of like, this is just kind of like all of the reverbs ever just in one and it's not very expensive and it's incredibly flexible and all the rest of it. But it is a bit complicated. Um, But I, I spent... I spent about an hour and a half with uh, Matt, who developed it, Matt from Liquid Sonics, and uh, he took me through quite a lot of it. And I spent kind of a, a good chunk of a weekend working my way through it, which takes ages because you start, you just think, oh, I'll just read the manual. And you get <laughs> you get a couple, a couple of paragraphs and you go, oh, is it really? And you go off into the plugin and then one thing leads to another. And before you know it, you're an hour in and then you go back, and go, oh, no, read the manual, read the manual. But <laughs> I now, I, I think I, I get 95% of it and... It's amazing, and it's one of those things that, like the 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 more into it you get, the more you discover, and it's yeah, it's awesome. Basically, it's a bit like, um, it's not actually the uh, the tool that the tool that they use to develop their reverbs, but it kind of almost is. <laughs> you see, there's other stuff that's used as well, so it's not all of it. But basically, it's almost like the development platform for all of the others. You can pretty much make any of the other Liquid Sonics products-ish, I will say ish, out of what's in Reverberate 3. Um, it's th- Some of them do go a little further and there's some stuff that you can't do. So it's not one-to-one. Don't take that as a blanket statement. But it's a bit like uh, Reactor, you know, Native Instruments Reactor. Mm-hmm. And you can yeah. make any synth in that. And like, kind of, it's, it's like kind of what Native Instruments, as far as I can tell, used to make their other... Their other synth products is, is that kind of deal maybe they don't do exactly that but you you take the point of if you're into reverbs just get this and you'll never be seen again it's the modular synthesizer of reverbs <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get some work done maybe maybe just get seventh heaven and just go i'll oh, just dial it plate there you go but uh, yeah i think it's fantastic um we, we need to wind things up though because uh yeah um that was that was the podcast and uh we'll we'll see you next time but for now uh, it's good night from me it's good night from me and it's happy birthday to me 